I'm just glad that we have that space now, especially because because of that, because for so many years, like our own value was determined by a social media platform um, and digital artists just were used to think that this was our place, you know, like this was our our only way of promoting ourselves in order to maybe reach out some clients, maybe make some money. You know, like so many doubts and anxiety, basically. Like we were used to think that it was our own gallery territory. And I'm just so grateful that we have our own space right now. No. Like what a huge step is that? It is. It's amazing. Honestly. Like, finally, like getting some form of respect and being able to like continue making art and not have to worry about Yeah. being able to like pay rent next month or something, you know, like totally. that's why this space is so amazing for us, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I almost thought about uh, having to quit last year because I couldn't make it. Um, that was a, like a really, really rough year last year, like mentally, but like also um, because of work not coming in um, rents. Yeah whatever and i was like well you know maybe that's how it ends you know and maybe that's how it's supposed to end and maybe i i'll just go and perhaps do something that do not have anything to to do with like creative work and maybe i will be like you know maybe less anxious actually like i don't know i was really considerate considering that option and now that i think about it i was like Thank God. I, I know what, uh, what made you to like decide not to quit making art? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if I can, I, I mean, I know I can do pretty much everything because I used to work in so many different fields when I, when I was younger, you know, I was like a hairdresser, uh, waitress, uh, house cleaner, whatever. I was working everywhere to make money, but at the same time, I can't live without patience. Like patience saved my life. Graphic design saved my life, honestly, because I was like so lost before uh, entering that field. Um, yeah, and it gave me a reason to live. And I and I was like, I I mean, I could have like run away, but at the same time, if I did, I don't know if I would have been able to hang out uh, and hold on to everything that is my life because it's it's me like it's like i i would have like abandoned a part of myself somewhere and as much as i sometimes do not like the fact that we are so intertwined with our work uh and that the fact that we are having such a hard time dissociating ourselves from that i feel like i'm no one with that without that in the greatest and in the the worst ways possible but I wouldn't trade it because 
I I know that that's my goal. That that's like my purpose in life is to do that. And if one day I feel like quitting that and I feel like my gut will be fine with that decision, then it's okay. I will be able to to retreat. But I didn't because I just always trust my gut. And if my gut tells me, oh, hold on, just a, a little bit longer, maybe, you know, it's going to shift at some point. You don't know. Maybe there's something there. I just trust it because it leads me there Absolutely. already. Yeah. I mean, I know I would be miserable without making art for sure. Yeah. Like, I can agree with you there that it like definitely helped me through like a bunch of difficult shit. Like it was the like only thing that kept me going at times. So for me, I have like a strong connection to like creating art just to like be able to like get through the day. So it's like to be happy, I have to be like making shit or else I'll be miserable. So that's yeah. why I could like never give it up. But I, I get like when you have like outside financial like burdens, it's like really hard to be able to like focus on creating art yeah. because you have so much other shit going on that you need to worry about so yeah i was like working on doing awful jobs like working on an ambulance and shit like that but still mm -hmm. trying to like make art at the same time which is a challenge but now we're like finally in a position where all we have to worry about is just making art which is like that is i'm not used to at all that is insane just the very fact that being able to work on a project like Hilda Deal, for example, for me is like unbelievable because for the past few years, my life has was reduced to creating a certain amount of posts for Instagram every week, waiting for client to reach out to me and putting out merch. And I feel like that was it. And so I never found the time to dedicate effort uh, to something that I was really into and that I felt like was truly uh, connected to my practice and my vision of life and creation. And now I feel so blessed because I'm actually able to do that. And that's what I wanted to do when I was doing my thesis, when I was a student, when I wanted to, to work on therapeutic design, when I was like writing words about how there's more to design than solving problems, but also like raising questions and like showing emotions and like that everything was intertwined and now I'm able to do it. Like how? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I actually canceled that job because my mom got really sick and I was going to have to go back to Australia. So my drop date was on February 18th and um, yeah, like late December, I had to go back to Australia. And so I just messaged Tommy and I was like, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry, I'll let you know when I can. I just left it at that. And then, you know, it became pretty apparent I was going to have to do the two weeks in hotel quarantine. And my plan was actually I was going to take one of my guitars and um, just like a, a little audio input. I bought an audio input to connect it to this laptop right here um, and record some music and get some stuff going for my band, which no one's heard of or anything about, you know, that I love very much. Um, and at the last minute I decided, no, you know what? Like I should take my 3D gear instead. I have, um, well, I had to have an, an eGPU, a big like shoebox style motherfucker that you can connect to a MacBook to mm -hmm. run a plane on. I decided to take that instead. Good decision. Yeah.
I think Flood came out of that, right? The whole series came out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first five pieces I made in in hotel quarantine. Um, and then um, you know, for, for whatever listeners you have who don't know, um, my my mum just passed a couple months ago. So I went back to Australia to see her before she died. Australia has real strict quarantine laws. So, you know, I was in a in a hotel, locked in a hotel room, no opening windows, no doors, no peoples, no nothing, right? For two weeks. And I, I made the first five pieces of my first uh, collection in that hotel. And um, I made the last three pieces after after she passed. Um, yeah, so we're that- sorry to hear that as well. And, you know, the emotion definitely rings true through the entire series. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think after the year we just had, there's a couple of themes in that series that are pretty easy to relate for most people, the sense of isolation and containment and uh, a sense of loss, even if you didn't lose a loved one. You know, there's still there's still a sense of mourning for a year's worth of life and freedom that we collectively lost. So, you know, I was obviously feeling all that pretty intensely locked in that fucking room. So, yeah. I'm not, yeah. Yeah, I I, I, t- I took a listen to your conversation with uh, Roger Dickerman and listened to you kind of break that down. I mean, that's like some, you know, unimaginable type of stuff, and especially being, you know, locked in a room that you can't leave. I mean, the, the beauty of what came out of it, too, and, and the timing and, uh, and, I mean, not to like obviously generalize your situation, but knowing the story behind a lot of this stuff, I think is important, too, right? Because you can, you can find another layer of... Uh, you know, connection to art. And I think a lot of people are figuring out how to absorb art in a way. And a lot of it's finding context and, and, and knowing this stuff is important. And I mean, we obviously commend you for being open, talking about it. And it's, it's, it's beautiful stuff. No, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I've been, I've been, like we said at the top, you know, I've been creating stuff for 20 odd years now. And uh, honestly, a lot of it was just experimentation, just fun stuff that I did because I could, because I enjoyed doing it because it was fun to do because I love creating and I love sharing. And not a great deal of it was personal. And that's reflected in my entire online presence. I don't really share a lot of personal stuff. There's not a lot of photos of me out there, not a lot of anything like that. You know, it's a pixelated lion and the occasional picture of the dog, you know. (laughs) But this series, um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. And I think that it accomplishes something that NFTs have the real potential to facilitate for the digital art community, which is to give artists the ability to create fine art. I would say it's the, one of the only things I've ever made that I would consider fine art is that series, in large part because of you know what went into making it. I put, for the first time in my career, I put a lot of me into that. And then afterwards, I had to share a lot of that as well because I didn't want it to miss. I think looking at it, you probably could have gathered a lot of it, but just with three or four paragraphs, you're able to gather. It comes through a lot more purely, you know, a lot more crystal clear. Yep. And it was hard to do after 20 years of just <laughs> bullshit and fun to, to put something like that out there that, you know, I've in no way processed, by the way, that I've in no way come to terms with, that it was just as it was happening because that was the timing. It was just a confluence of events and coincidences that led to it being that. But anyway, I think that the end, the end result, like I said, is something that I'm proud of. And I think that it is fine art. And I think that some of the NFTs that we've seen and some of the collections that we've seen have been fine art. They've been valued like fine art. Um, and, you know, and, 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 then, and then that's mixed with the fact that NFT is an exciting new thing and people are interested in wanting to get involved and buying anything that comes out. And now we're in, you know, a, an interesting market where people are starting to realize that not everything they bought necessarily was fine art or had that 
forethought or humanity or even necessarily creativity put into it. And that's fine. You know, that's what happens in a nascent market like this before people become fully educated. And by the way, I'm not saying my, my collection was the greatest be all end all or anything like that. Like, you know, that's, that, that's not my point at all. All I'm saying is that it was created from just from a human, from a human place, from a place of wanting to share something personal and make a connection, you know? Yeah. And that was in a time where, you know, you were talking, did you have like your own drop day or were you with multiple people? Because I mean, you lose that with kind of oversaturating and, and, you know, you go from three, four drops a week to three, four drops a night. And, you know, that's the type of stuff you lose. And, you know, from your end, you probably got to track the market so you can kind of, you know, make your next play tactically. And yeah, I think it's important to know this stuff. My night was actually the first three person night. It was me. Yeah. And it's crazy. When I tell you the three people, it was me, Mad Dog and Blake Catherine. Bro. I remember that. I know where I was. Yeah. yeah that was, know. that was the explosion day. Yeah. It was explosion day. Yeah. Holy shit. We broke that, the record the first time it had broken. Yeah. That's uh, that, that was a couple <laughs> days in a row where everyone was telling everyone that they knew about Nifty Gateway mm-hmm. and everyone flood on there. And that's when the, the open edition started going wild. Yep. I couldn't yeah. that. I think that's so funny that you three are all on the same day. The first, <laughs> the first multi drop. I don't think it has happened. <laughs> no, they need to spread them again. out. Yeah, I mean, one a night is even a lot. I liked it when it was a couple nights a week, you know, and then it, yeah. it builds hype up around a you know just the one artist, and they can tell their story, and you can't really slide in the bullshit as well and hide it. You know, when you're doing four artists a night. Two of them can be shit and nobody will care. I think what we're coming to is a place where um, the creators are going to have to bring the audience to the table themselves. Yeah. So we, we had a situation there where Nifty Gateway for, you know, for a period where we're kingmakers, where if you were on the platform, then the result was guaranteed. And that was an amazing place to be. Yep. Uh, and, you know, and I don't, I don't envy them that position. That's a hard position to be in. And now they're being inundated with like with requests from people that you can't say no to. Like Eminem says, I want to drop and I want to drop in a month. You make the slot, right? How do you say no? Um, you know, we, we can all have our opinions on it. I'm sure they have some good business analytics, analytics going on it. But I think you, the point that you make that it takes away from the specialness of it is very accurate. Um, but I think it just creates this new market condition where Nifty Gateway doesn't bring the sales anymore. The creator is going to have to, unless they decide to go back to that mode. And, you know, that's a decision on their end to make. I don't presume to know their business. Yeah, I would imagine that they're not going to slow down just because the money's there for them. So they will be motivated another way. Money, though. Yeah. I think my, my personal take, and this is just an idiot talking on a podcast, is that if they did slow it down, even to just one a day and really invested in the storytelling and the hype building and the narrative of each one of these artists, that you'd have a bigger individual return on them than spreading across four. But that may not be true at all. Uh, I think it could be, and I think it could especially be good for the secondary market and the ongoing health of, of the space. But again, that's just the gateway. That's just one, that's one facet of a much bigger space. Apparently, everybody, you know what, everybody has their credit card limits and then just maximize them as much as you can. No, actually, that's not financial advice. Do not do that. That's why you get people selling stuff for like, you know, 50% loss a week later. Exactly.
Yeah, that's definitely not healthy. We can definitely parlay this into a secondary market conversation. Is credit card purchasing bad for you know a certain sector of collectors? Because I mean, we are seeing a, a pullback now of people that maybe were in the sneakerhead mindset of, I'm just going to go in for a quick flip like you could in maybe February, you know, that could have worked out for you. But with the market down like it is now, you're seeing a lot of people stuck with opens, you know, holding the bag and they can't afford their credit card bills. <laughs> Right. No, I mean, I think, you know, it's obviously not positive. Um, so for example, I put all my purchases on credit card the first month and I did that for a reason. It was my way to buy crypto with credit card. And I knew, I, you know, I knew how much I could spend and I knew that I had uh, you know, the money to, to clean it up after the, after the month was over. Um, so I did that with that reason, but I know people that extend themselves. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's art. It's obviously has a very, very wide bid offer, right? You have the 15% of fees. 10% going to the artist, 5% going to the site. Um, so it's not easy to make money on these things. It's, they're not really trading vehicles. I mean, if anybody wants to trade, they should just stick to like coins or stocks or whatever. Um, but, you know, a lot of people came in when we had the huge rally leading to the people auction and they thought, hey, I can make a ton of money and you, you make a couple flips and, and then you start trading paper gains in your head and you see something that well, you pay $2,000 for, go for 10,000, but you don't sell it. Instead, you say, okay, I have $8,000 that I'm going to be able to get from this. So you buy more and then they like over lever themselves and that credit card bill comes in. And yeah, there's, you know, there's no bits and good luck. So yeah, I don't think it's very, very positive. Having said that, I do think that using fiat, again, going to the conversation about being an on-ramp allows people to, to enter the space. Whereas otherwise, as we all know, going to Coinbase or Gemini, buying ETH, waiting for it to clear, waiting for it to like where you can send it and deal with, you know, gas is low now, but back then it wasn't sending it over and having no idea where it went. Uh, it, it's still a barrier to entry. So I, I think as long as people use credit cards in a smart way or like, you know, buy them so you get points, but know how much you can spend, then it's definitely uh, negative for those who you know, over lever themselves. Definitely a lot harder to sell things than I thought it would be. Can't just list it at the floor and expect it to sell within a day. It's it could take weeks, and then someone's going to un undercut you. It's just a matter of time. So you got to be smart and just expect not to be able to sell it. Yeah, it's FOMO in and also FOMO out. Like it, it works the same way on the on the way out, and people get desperate, and and you can't rely on others to like be chill and just wait for buyers to come in. And, and you know, and you do see some prints that are just insane. And also combined with the fact that we did have a bubble back in March where things were going for way too much money. So it's just kind of like double whammy of, of you know, both things cooling down. And, and yeah, a lot of, like you said, a lot of like flippers are hopefully going to be gone. Um, and you've seen it recently with very low mint numbers on OEs, uh, even drawings that don't sell out. That's good. That's good. That's healthy for the ecosystem, I think. And, you know, if you're a true collector of certain artists, you'll be there at drop time and, and get what you want. And if you miss it, you know, pick it up of secondary and, and kind of keep it healthy. Uh, but I don't think we'll get back to the days where things like Forex in two weeks. It's just it's just not healthy. And I don't think it's it's possible again. It probably is impossible again. I'm like I'm ex the, the prime example of legitimately what you shouldn't do. I like I've sold. I was the first to sell one of people's into the ether, thinking, okay, I'll pocket some quick cash. Sold it for three grand, a couple grand. I was pumped, and I mean, dude, like, it, there's a 
there's a lot more context that I think people need to find and it takes time to search for it. So instead of just diving in, you know, FOMOing into it and buying whatever, uh, understanding what you're buying is important. And I think that's getting lost a little bit right now, but it can be saved. These artists are going to be having to promote themselves or their own thing. So I guess we'll yeah. see how it goes. And I think, you know, buying what you like will always be better that's than it. just buying what you think is going to go up. And honestly, like there's been pieces that I already like wrote off to zero and I'll probably donate them in December for like the tax uh, loss. But it's pieces where I was like, okay, you know, everybody gets caught up in the FOMO. Everybody gets caught up in the FOMO. You know, like, okay, I'm going to buy this because everybody's buying it and going up. And then you're like, you don't even like it. Uh, and there's pieces that I, you know, I bought at the peak because I felt pretty confident the artist and everything and they're limited and whatever you want. And it's pieces are like, you, I lose, you know, five, 10 K if I were to sell them today, but you know what? I'm not selling them. I'm like happily displaying them at home and I'll just hold them, you know, for forever, hopefully, or for a while at least. Obviously if they go ballistic again. Yeah. You take, you know, you take yeah. some money off the table, but what I see is a lot of people, you know, buying pieces and then just, you know, they don't even like some people don't even click into the NFTs to like hear the whole watch it. They just use it as like a stocks and it's not, yeah. It's not that. Like at the end of the day, it's not that. Can you make money? Yes. Should it be your main rationale? No, you will probably end up losing money. Yeah. Buy what you like is the, that's the mantra and perfect way to put it. So Liquid Summer is a collaboration between Playboy and Slime Sunday. Um, it's a collection of six NFTs, um, including one auction which is the first digital playboy cover ever to be sold so playboy is really excited to be here this is our first kind of foray into the nft space but we're building on top of almost 70 years of history in the art world and we've worked with slime sunday in the past in the magazine and have always just loved his work and and how he um how he uses vintage magazine imagery is very playboy obviously so um this was the perfect way to to enter the the NFT world and Liquid Summer is the, the manifestation of that. It's um, it's liquid imagery. It's like classic Playboy beach shoots. It's, um, you know, some of the sexiest pictorials from our archives, but now turned into these sort of new fine art versions of themselves in a digital form. And yeah, we're excited to walk you through each of the pieces. So I we we uh, we knew of um, Mike's prior work right with Playboy in in Drug Three Trust right was that you who uh, initially connected with him or how did that I guess idea come up to collab on this one Yeah so the Playboy collaboration who did you say reached out to you it was it actually wasn't me Yeah Sasha. it was Sasha her uh, name was Okay um, yes yeah. but... she's she was um she worked in the art department. Um, at that time. I work really closely with the art department and I'd always been a fan of Slime Sunday. And the creative director of the magazine and I always were bouncing ideas off each other and his name definitely like came up a few times, but I didn't have anything to do with that specific commission. And then the Nifty intro was a happy accident too, because um, I think Ashley is the one who suggested um, that it would be a good fit. And then immediately, especially because we already had a relationship with you, we were like, you know, we agreed. And it took on a life of its own from there. Yeah, that that article was super fun to work on, actually. Yeah, uh, I love the water, the waves. The yeah. Coke waves, that's awesome. Yeah, the Coke waves. Yeah. And then the president's dropping acid on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> that's it. 
That's yeah. a classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a match made in heaven. That's what we were discussing before. It's like Playboy, a brand that's been mostly in print, moving fully digital. And then NFTs are just that next step. And to work with someone who's familiar with the brand has worked with you guys before is just, it matches up perfectly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I didn't even really think about that, to be honest. Like, that's a good point that we, um, you know, we were print and now we're exclusively digital. And my that's how the scans are, right? Yeah. 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 And, and that's his, that's like his trajectory too. So yeah, you're totally right. It's like, it's like the evolution of, it's weird. Like the evolution of art is like moving more towards a digitally native environment, which is weird. So Mm -hmm. like some people, like some collectors don't even care about physicals anymore. Because if you offer them a physical, they're like, we'd rather just have the NFT. Like I don't need a physical or a pen or anything. It's crazy. That's crazy. The uh, yeah, and, and like the context behind it, right? Of like you know, Mike's struggle with with censorship on Instagram and and uh, tying it back into you know working with actual Playboys and other mags and in kind of how he built his his um his known right and um it's cool to see it come together and in liquid summer too, it's timing up perfectly. It's almost like you just have like a blockbuster movie coming out for uh, the beginning of summer to run the next three months. So perfect timing. <laughs> Who came up with the name? How did that theme come about? I think you, you guys did. Yeah, it came about. Um, I love these questions. No one asks us these questions. Um, everyone wants to know about like the, the naked ladies. These are thoughtful. Um, um how did it come about it came about because i knew that so we have 67 years worth of archives right so i knew that we needed to we needed some kind of parameters um, or or a theme of some kind and i it just popped in my head like the association between slime and water and we have so many classic um beach pictorials um it's a very playboy trope so um that just sort of put the idea in my head. And then I think it was Rachel who, who said, we were just, we were playing around with different names on a call one day. And then she was like, what about liquid summer? You know, it's a May drop. And then I was like, yeah, I love that. And then we brought it to, to Mike and he liked it too. And um, it sort of evolved from there and then went into the archives and pulled like, I think we ended up clearing like 250 different images, um, combo of covers and pictorials and, tried really hard to kind of curate a balance of um, like, I don't even think this is rips if this is like said anywhere. Um, but I, th- I think over 50% of the women are, are women of color. So, th- you know, that was sort of where the storytelling came in. We, we wanted subjects that were like close members of the Playboy family that um, sort of that represented representation and inclusivity that, and that fit the liquid summer theme just like the fun part of it so that's awesome yeah we also we had like tons of images that we didn't even end up using it's so, like we we narrowed it down to six like the six best that we thought but there was probably like i don't even remember at this maybe like 15 images that we did it yeah in total um that's going to be like a treasure chest for you though like <laughs> there is one walking, there is one walk, that we can't walk into harrison's picking up a magazine <laughs> oh yeah i know seriously yeah, it's like here's here's all of them <laughs> this file. <laughs> Sweet. You go through the process of attaching yourself with like the the right creatives and directors and stuff like that, but then you have the whole making of the film, you know, 
the animation is, you know, all that um, takes, it takes time. It takes time. But which is, it's really crazy because, you know, this was always a goal of mine for two to three years. Like, let's do these NFTs. We'll try to get, build the community up and like maybe go talk to the TV and film people. Right. And we did that so quickly now, which is really cool is because now we can build like, as together, like build Aku up and then a movie comes out. Like it never really happens. So it's not like in Toy Story, like Buzz Lightyear was this thing before. Right. Yeah. Like he became a thing after like Toy Story was the movie was already out. Like think about how cool it is when the community can like watch this thing grow and then boom, like it's on the big screen. Like it's like you feel like almost like a sense of like. I don't know. It's like, I don't know how many times it's happened. We can like have a community, like building a movie. It's very true. Yeah. That's, it's crazy. The, the opportunities and, and the different directions people take with this NFT world. Like we've talked to a lot of different people on here and they're all innovative in their own way. And I haven't, I haven't heard anything like this and this is on another level. I mean, I feel like there's, we just keep on peeling back the onion yeah i mean so so i'll tell you like i'll kind of walk you through kind of how i'm thinking of it and like kind of how i'm building it is with by releasing aku like this and you know getting that tv and film deal done in that manner in that timely manner what that means is like okay with these nft chapters that we do right those people are like almost like the builders of the story so we want to like incentivize them the more chapters you own the more perks you get right eventually like it's legitimately like you they could have movie credits you know, eventually they can say, like, I can say, like, hey, what character, what should we name this character, right? Or what do you think about this angle, right? So, like, we can just, we're just building the story. And what's really powerful about that is, like, you mitigate risk on when the movie comes out. Because you have a collective of very diverse people collecting Akus, all communicating about Aku and the storyline. So, like, you're not just guessing, like, oh, like, I, they might like this movie. It's like, no, I mean, like, we... We built it. We've built it like a community <laughs> built it, you know, and as we do more things and more accessible NFTs and different kind of collaborations and, and partnerships, what we can do with those NFTs and we can see who owns what we can airdrop in the future. Like what if it's like Aku has a theme park ride and it's like if you own chapter one through 10, all you got to do is you show your NFT, your, your wallet to the people right in uh, at, the, at the ride. And it's like Whoop, right at the front. Right to the front, like yep. no, no waiting in line, nothing. Like there's so much potential you can do, you can, how you can use, how we can use NFTs from a, like a media company standpoint. Yeah, and that's like, I haven't thought of it like that for entertainment movies and stuff. I've thought of it the music way, like with, with like what Blau's done. Yeah. Um, but dude, that's just so seamless. And that's just gonna, it totally makes sense. The engagement's there, the community's there. And uh, everyone feeling like they have a piece of it is, um, you know, the ownership that you can actually track and, and, and actually consider tangible now. It's fucking, right. It's fucking crazy. It's like it's like what NFTs really allow. Like we're building out the infrastructure now where it makes like NFT like. Like we're building it out where you'll we'll be able to exactly know where, you know where the NFTs are, who owns what. Right. And directly connect to our community. It's almost like a, a CRM for a media company before the media like, company ever releases anything in the world, which means along the way, in the future, 30 years from now, theoretically, the, the early adopters of Aku can continue to benefit 
you know, yep. here's another NFT. Here's another thing that gives you access to this, right? Like NFTs, in theory, you can reward people in perpetuity. That's so true. Pretty wild. Yeah. Mind blown right now. <laughs> Did you have this process, like, like this idea at all, like back in, what was it, like November, the async drop? Like, has this just been kind of like a, 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 like a snowball effect or where was that seed, I guess, from that even like that? Async, async was another thing that like took time, but it's just the evolution of me observing like what's going on and asking the right questions, understanding what I can actually do with the tech. So then you do async, right? Which, to, in my opinion, is one of the most like well conceptualized and executed works. No that one's was, doing was, it like that. Yeah, man, that, was, like, cool. that was that's that was that was very, very from top to bottom like conceptualization and execution um, was a one, and so like that was like I understood the tech, you know, I understood what we could do, and then it was like okay, let's do Aku because like I didn't do anything. It was like async, build Aku. Aku, you know, so I was just sitting there thinking this whole time, like, man, I want to get this character out there. I want to get this message out there. Obviously, I want to do it digitally and animated because then I can get it out there further. I'm already doing astronaut paintings. I think this could work if I release it as an NFT a lot better than it could work if I take it straight to like a studio, like a cold call email to a studio. Like, because I think that, you know, if all else fails, it's a cool, like at that time, like if all else fails, they have a physical statue that's really dope. You have an NFT that's really dope. Um, and if it doesn't get great, like have the groundswell that it did, like you can't anticipate that. But record along, breaking at the time, the most open editions ever sold. You don't anticipate that. You, you, but all along, I, I believed in the vision of how crypto, how powerful crypto was. Like there hasn't been an instance when mainstream has like altered the way crypto operates. It's always the opposite. It's crazy the list of artists that came out in the first wave. I mean, what an influential group of people right there. And it was great to see, you know, their names up in the bright lights. I am I saw all of their feedback on Twitter too. And, you know, I'm sure that gives them a lot of great feelings inside to know that they're part of a project that is, you know, putting their stamp on this timeline, on this generation of artists and being a part of that must give them great emotion. I, I hope, I always say it's us, you know, it's like, I listen, I got a lot of personal love and I appreciate every bit of it, but like, this has nothing to do with me. Well, okay. It has something to do with me, but, it's, but not like that. Like I want the artifacts project, you know, I very soon want that the cross way cross over my own social, social cloud or standing in this, in this industry. I wanted to cross it and smash it and, and, and be brilliant and it's artist first. And sure, I'm a part of that. And sure, I'm a part of that vision, but it's an artist first project. It's flipping the script. That was my favorite thing about New York City. The way I'm thinking about it, at least. Yeah. Most, not all. And again, we're not the, the first step, right? We are a step and we want it to be a big step forward for digital art in general. But when you think about New York, walking the streets of New York, looking around, most times it's brand first right? No art. artist recognition. Right. Yeah. Art, but it's brand first art. Yeah. And this goes into my whole thing. There's a hidden value transaction. Digital art's been around for a long time. Digital art has lit up our world for a long time. The artists have lit up our world for a long time, but it's been a lot of, of brand first love. Uh, yeah. They're being hired, they're being contracted, they're, they're, they're being paid on commission, whatever it is, but you're not getting that feel. 
And we, we've started to see some of that trickle out. There are a few artists who, who you know, would get a billboard here or some love there. And, and believe me, I'm, I'm all for it. We wanted to just like smash it, you know? Yeah. Let's get everybody up there. Let's do bold social credits, you know? So it's like, this is, you know, this is fuck renders art, right? right. This is Euphoria's art. This is Jason and, and on down the line. And that was really, really important and really, really fun. It was fun to see that. It was fun to see people's reactions on the streets even, you know, as to what was, what is this thing? What's going right. on? Um, engaged in some random conversations on the streets of New York, heard some audible gasps on the streets of New York. <laughs> that, that was fun. Um, so yeah, the rundown. So we had, we had three Times Square billboards at 44th, 45th, and 48th, including the big Viacom billboards, which is amazing. We had the Brooklyn Bridge, which was a projection. Those are some of my favorite pictures coming out of this. Oh, amazing. It's, it's just, that blew my mind. That blew my mind. That, that was the one location I did not personally make it to. So it was a bit of a surprise to see those shots come out. I mean, I'd seen it. I knew where it was going. I knew what it would, what it would look like, but not with the projector, with more of like a place marker and some, some game planning there. Yeah. But man, seeing those, the projection and the lights beaming in of, of the digital art was incredible. Who took those shots? Um, so we have, so we're working with the Animus group. So all, all the love to the Animus group. And it is the, oh, what? I have to get his exact handle. I'm going to get his exact handle. Keep going. Keep going. I'm pulling it up. Yeah. Yeah. It starts so, with I mean, ill. It starts with ill. And I got to get it right. So <laughs> got to get the right ill on. Got to get it right. He was, he, he was great. He's, I mean, he, he was crushing. He was taking photographs, uh, doing his thing, and then um, basically stayed up all night. Like just based ill concept with a K. So I, I I had to get that right. So it's I L L K O N C E P T on Twitter. Ill concept. Beast, 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 beast. Just was doing his work all night long. Turned around the folder of you know distilled four thousand plus photos into six hundred overnight. Wow. And, and that's and that's what you're seeing shared out. So all the love to Ill Concept. Just exceptional, exceptional stuff. I'm sure none of you guys had any sleep, huh? You just got back from New York City, just right? Just got, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we, uh, said farewell to, to Parrot. So Parrotism um, flew in. We recorded a bit, uh, a quick snippet video on the way out this morning, 7 a.m. on the streets of New York, you know, <laughs> coffee in hand. And we we said farewells and, and here we go back to it. Oh, man. So what's next for the Artifacts Project? I mean, we're going to start seeing these roll out, I would assume, shortly. Yep. yep. Yeah, this is a big week. Let's start with the details. Let's start with the details. Yeah. So the mission is digital art first, right? Digital art is the future is the first line of that video. Um, and really it's been the past for a little while now. You know my thing, it's it's flipping it around. It's it's showing who are these artists who, are, who have been doing it and who are doing it and who are doing it within the NFT space and building up. I know it's becoming a little cliche, but the, the Renaissance is real. It's a new marketplace, right? It's a new yep. marketplace. It's a new form of transaction that's blowing the doors open and putting the artists first, allowing the artists to step forward and, and have, have a place for connection to you, to me, to everybody, right? Having a place to step forward and have that connection. So that is, that is the grand story that we are telling here. Um, we are, we're telling it on behalf of 100 artists. So honoring 100 artists across a number of different themes and, and the project will stop at 100, right? So there has to be a limit somewhere and, and that's going to be our contribution to this whole narrative, the whole narrative of digital art and NFTs, uh, New York was the nice stop on that on that list. But let's let's expand the conversation. This community is wonderful. 
and there's a lot of noise coming into it, what if we took some very positive and clear noise from it and went outside of it? That is one of the things we're exploring. Let's, wow. let's get out there. Let's tell this story. Let's put the artist first. Let's put the art first. Let's put it up in some places that maybe we wouldn't expect. Let's see what comes of that from who knows the news perspective and on down the line. I am very curious as this thing rolls along to have these dialogues, have these conversations, to get out there and educate, get out there and educate on behalf of the art and the artist in this wonderful NFT space. It's a good point because there's going to be a group of people that understand from the get-go, oh yeah, like this theme, uh, for example, you know, these people are the family, people that were here early on, and then there'll be an education piece for the people that just don't understand that yet. And that's kind of what Artifacts is there to do is say, hey, these are the landmark artists, 100 that were handpicked, you know, and curated over time to say, these people have a story, mm -hmm. a story to tell, but they're also part of a larger story of this renaissance. So I'm, I'm curious to see how you guys are going to do the education portion of this and the outreach and, you know, getting that out to the mainstream media. And New York's the beginning, you know, New York's the beginning of that. It's expanding the dialogue, taking it to those places, opening some eyes. And we've had, we've had some interests, you know, what is this? What's going on? Let's, let's. That's what New York City was for. I mean, that was, had to drum up some interest. I mean, yeah. the intrigue surrounding all of it, and including a scavenger hunt, I think that was a nice touch as well. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. I mean, that's, you know, this community is special. This community of collectors uh, on down the line, right? Collectors, investors, artists, builders, you know, on down the line, this community is special. And so goal is let's expand the dialogue without it. Let's take the special fabric, you know, of this community, the substance of this community, the foundation of this community. Let's hit the road. Let's go. Like, let's get out there. But let's also foster the community and let's also do things within the community. And so you're going to see that. You see that with some of the giveaways we're doing. We're going to do that a, a number of different times with a number of different themes to include a number of different people. And it's the same thing on the artist side. A hundred artists is a constraint. And I know that how are they selected? How I get those questions, you know, it's a, it's the responsibility of a lifetime. And what I can tell you is that there's co-curation going on with a lot of different artists. There's conversations going on with a lot of different artists. It's taking the responsibility, but it's, it's, it's constant education, even internally to do the appropriate reach outs, include the appropriate artists. And it's acknowledging that because of the constraint of a hundred, you can never get it perfect, but we're going to we're going to try really hard to get it close. You're going to see different themes along the way. You're going to see conceptual themes. Like the family is a very, you know, it's a broad theme. It can go a lot of different ways. It's about the love. It's about the, the unification of, of artists. A lot of whom came up together, some of whom moved together physically right. in the real world, you know? Yeah. And then we move on past that. You're going to have some timestamp themes, you know, that we're going to explore the past. We're going to explore the future. And then you'll have themes of specificity, entertainment arts, illustration, precision arts, clean loops, architectural lines. We're going in a number of different directions and by 100, we wanted to do, we want to do our damnedest to capture this NFT space in the best way that we know how. It's not one person making the decisions, but I'm gonna stand behind every single one of them. So at the end of the day, it's my responsibility, but I'm having a lot of dialogues to get this as right as possible. 
<laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've, I've struggled with this release, making sure that it's like, you know, something, cause there's, I'm sure every artist that you've talked to has had this like sense of imposter syndrome, especially if they're like Definitely. a traditional artist that's kind of entering into this space. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've, I've put, I guess, blood, sweat and tears into this to try to make it the best thing that I can possibly make it. But the idea behind it is that I wanted to tell a story and it's a continuation of a series that I've been working on for probably like the past, uh, three years, three or four years, maybe, um, called the, uh, I call it oil and water. Um, and it's like these, these vintage ships with like graffiti tags painted on all of the sails of the ship. And, um, I've made those like last year I did a piece, um, that was called the, the year that took the wind out of our sails. And that was about kind of just everybody's in my own experience with, with dealing with this pandemic and all of that kind of stuff and the isolation and all of that. And, and all of the other things that happened um, simultaneously, like you had the, the black lives matter movement and you had just all of these different things happening. And so I wanted to capture um, that through, through that piece. And so this is kind of a continuation, but a little bit more personal for me, because it's like the, you know, my introduction to the NFT space. So, um, and I, I kind of broke it out into sort of three, I guess, chapters almost like the, the first chapter was kind of like me refamiliarizing myself with, um, you know, the, the tech behind crypto and, um, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then the second piece was kind of about just my experience as a creator, um, or trying to be a creator in this space. Um, but also kind of like paying homage to, um, the, the, the great creators and collectors that, that exist in this space and that, that really kind of paved the way for everybody else. Um, and then the third piece was just, I mean, I, I, if you guys have been, and obviously you've been following the, the, the mood, um, in the space and that mood has been a little bit volatile. Um, and I think that's just, you know, a reflection of the market. And so I wanted to do a piece that was about that, um, <laughs> the different moods. Um, and so that's, uh, um, how it's kind of structured and then kind of to boot, I wanted to make this tie into the next release that I do with nifty or the second, I should say the second release that I do with nifty. And so within the graffiti on all of these ships, like spread across all of the different pieces, there's, um, kind of like a hidden, uh, puzzle. Um, and the next release, again, I should say the second release will have a piece that kind of unlocks how you start to figure that puzzle out. And, um, yeah. And when you're the first 10 people to figure out the puzzle are going to be rewarded. The first person is going to be rewarded with a a physical painting and a one-on-one, a one of one NFT. Um, and then the next nine people will be rewarded with, um, um, the, the subsequent, um, remaining numbers of that um, addition, which is out of 10. Um, but they, in order to like win, you also have to sort of be holding certain pieces in order to win so that, you know, we, we reward the people that are actually, you know, holding on to things and, and, and buying so, or in, in collecting. That's an awesome concept. It's, it's crazy how everyone we talk to has something else going on and like another way to use these NFTs for incentivizing collectors. It's really fun it's, to hear. It's tough. Cause it's like, logistically, you got to figure out um, the way to do this in a way that's going to make it work too. I mean, that, that is not so confusing too, that people are just like, fuck this. I, don't, I can't do this. Right. So, and then know, tech it wise, to, it has to work. Well, that's exactly right. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, that I, I think, you know, the entire time that I was kind of creating these pieces, um, and for me, the digital pieces take twice as long as any physical piece that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the entire time that I was doing those, I was I was thinking about how to work this this puzzle in there and make it, um, you know, 
solvable still, but like difficult enough where it's, you know, still fun. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of thought behind it, I think. So. Nice. Or are these, um, paintings that are photographed or are you doing this on a computer? So it's a mix of a few things. Um, one of them was done. Um, it was a physical uh, uh, background that I, I I drew all of the, actually, I started off by, because I wanted to learn all this different software and all this kind of stuff. So I started actually by um, um, using Procreate, which is what I use to, to do all my sort of digital sketching to like design the tags. And then I actually went in and actually modeled in 3D some of those tags because I, I had an idea that didn't, didn't really pan out, but, um, but I still wanted to sort of play around with modeling software. So I modeled those in 3D so I could actually kind of like get the, um, the, the scale and the perspective and all of that, right? Um, and then I drew those onto the, um, the, the, the digital capture of the, of the physical background um, for one of those. And then for the other one, um, I actually painted it, um, but designed all the tags digitally and then painted the, physically painted the, the tags on the, um, on the background. So, and that's going to be the, the one of one auction plus the, um, the, the physical painting will be included in that one. So, um, and then the third one was done digitally as well. So I kind of wanted, like I said, I wanted to have, you know, a little bit of, of both worlds in there. Cause the whole idea for me was to, to try to figure out a way to, um, to bridge the, the tech and the, the art space. That's awesome. So I'm looking at some of the detailed pictures on your Instagram right now on your latest post. Oh, but that's not, that's not right. One of this is, okay. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. yeah. So this is, uh, this is the similar one you were talking about right. uh, the year that took the wind out of our city. Right. So, right. Yeah. I can't wait to see what these new pieces uh, are going to be like, you said that's May 21st, correct? Right. Right. So that's a week from tomorrow. Yeah. All right. I'll send you guys a sneak preview if you want. Ooh. You had, you, you deliver the assets. I have delivered the assets. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're way ahead of schedule, man. Well, the, you know, it's funny because I talked to my, the, they call them the producers over there. Right. And the guy was like, you know, ideally we'd like to have it maybe like a month before. And I was like, oh shit, I thought I had, I had like, you know, three or four more weeks to get this stuff done. And initially I'd wanted to include some movement in one of the pieces, but I just didn't think that it was for this release. I didn't think that, that, you know, adding any animation would be, would actually add something to the piece. So I haven't done any movement for this, this release, but the next one, there will be, there will be some fun stuff. Yeah. I think that's completely okay. I mean, I think the collectors in the space are savvy enough to realize that some stills like can show you more than an animated piece anyways. Well, and that was kind of the thing too. Yeah. I feel like, um, I've seen enough, I've, I've, I've been paying way too close attention to all of the, the releases. So I, I've become familiar with so many um, different artists. And I think that, you know, for what a lot of artists do, movement is fantastic. But for, I think for, for these pieces specifically, I almost feel like they would, that would detract from the, from the piece. So. So you like Tyler and have your seven, uh, your 655 alarm set. <laughs> You're nifty it's so bad. It's so bad because, like, I, like, and you and I, I think had an earlier conversation about this about how I was like, oh man, like I had this idea, but then I saw one release, and and you know maybe maybe collectors don't want that, and it's like you can't you can't do that because you'll just eat yourself up if you just you know uh, if you if you try to 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 I don't know tailor a drop to what you think people might want. You just got to do what you what you like to do, and 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 hopefully people like. It. And if they don't, no. Well, dude, I think like you were in the tough spot of like you're in a situation where the environment's evolving and changing as yeah. you're trying to piece your stuff together. So it's like it's not just like a one dimensional process or, or or format. 
to where I'm sure like as you were going and as you were reading the market, you you kind of like, all right, well, I can work this in now. All right, these mechanics are here. I can work this in now. Right. And, and checking down and making sure that you you have the ability to do those things and then executing them too. While all this shit's flying. Yeah. Being agile. Like not right. sleeping, looking like <laughs> looking over your shoulder. What's next? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been tough. I just the simple question of like, do you do open editions? Um, but the, the problem, problem with, with some of those things as well is like, there's, there's a price floor, right. That you can't, um, that, that nifty just wouldn't make any money. And so, you know, they need to price things a certain, uh, at a certain tolerance, I guess. And so, you know, just trying to figure out what's going to be best for all of the collectors. And ultimately for me, I decided that I wanted to have a very, very small, very limited drop. So there are a total of 136 NFTs that go with this drop, like total there's nice. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, and I think that they're, they, they should be priced pretty reasonably, I think, because it's not like, that's and that's the other thing that's been very interesting, especially coming from like the physical um, traditional art world is like, how does the how do the prices between these two worlds play together? And that's been very interesting to try to figure out. I think the first nifty drop was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> we were all the same. Like, I remember yeah. the times on Twitter when everyone was like, what the fuck just happened? It's like you expect it, you do the drop, there's the worry and the stress and the build up, and then you cue the tweets, what the fuck just happened? And we've all done it. And because it's it was unbelievable, like what's going on. And then I had we had relics of the mortal past, which was a lot of work and very proud of that collection as well. But I think after that, I just because it was almost, I think it came as a joke as well. I was trying to um well, I was chatting to all my mates, as in fuck Render, Alicia, Malavida, Blake, Justin, all them. And they mentioned that on my exterior, I just like this miserable British gear with a beard and tattoos, <laughs> like miserable metalhead. But then deep down, I'm a gummy bear. And I wanted to sort of put a bit more emotion in the NFT space. And I think I finally felt I had the platform and... I mean, Justin did it as well with such a touching subject with what he went through going back to Australia. And I think with digital art as well, there's a lot of eye candy and there's a lot of stuff that looks really cool. And there's a lot of stuff that sometimes might like substance. So I wanted to give a real tale and meaning behind a, an entire collection of artwork. Some people really saw that and connected and a lot of collectors reached out and talked about loving members of the family and friends that have passed and how this reminded them of them. And that's why I hired a web crew to create a whole website gallery. So people that couldn't afford the collection could still get the meaning of the artwork that was created for. And so I think it's amazing to have a growing collection, a growing fan base of collectors and their support means everything. And like without them, wouldn't be able to do what we do now. And I think it's the the key thing is how that support transcends just financial gains and what we can create more as artists. Like, because you need money to make money, but also with artwork, you now have the funds and almost the patrons to support you. And now you can invest that in all the artistic dreams that you had. And just didn't have the chance to do so before. Like the thought of me in the past making a book, I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do that? I can't afford that. I don't <laughs> need to. 
and now the the doors are opening the contacts are there and even like even if shit costs like 20 30 40 grand you can invest it in because you know the rewards and the fan base will love what you're creating so i think it's, it's amazing what's happening even in a bear, mar- bear market now but it's making the moves for the future not just being like not just sitting down and doing nothing yeah, I think the savvy collectors out there are looking for that connection because you guys are, are storytellers pretty much, you know, like you tell your stories through your art and the collectors that I hang around with are looking for that context and the story behind it because it brings so much more to it than just the visual aspect and not to diminish any of your visual aspects because your art is stunning. Um, and and also, uh, we hear a lot from other artists talking about how great your teaser trailers are and like how great your web design and stuff is. So it sounds like you have a nice team around you that are showcasing your talents. Well. Yeah, I think it's important as well because I, I can't web design for shit. Uh, my editing is not the best, but I've got experience of art direction from TV adverts. So I know how to tell people how to make a cool trailer. I just can't do it myself because I've got no patience. <laughs> so I think with stuff like that as well is I will just hire friends of mine. So Headless Horse did the whole web experience. Headless Horse is helping design the book as well. I've had my mates Eric and Lena do previous trailers of mine and stuff. And I think it helps when you offload some of the stress and you get some and other people can benefit from it. And it's nice to see collaborations like that in the space. And it allows you to focus on what you do best. Yeah. Yeah. Which is create the artwork. And yeah, but it's, we want to, we want to do everything because our whole lives, that's what we've been doing. We've been artist, producer, director, manager, accountant, everything. And I think it's, it's all right to just get some help. Yep. What was the, uh, cause it seemed like you were like, like not late, but, like how'd you get how'd you get on super rare were you like already in there and just chose to hold some stuff and, and wait for it to do like a specific release or was i was so i was last year i was approached i think i approached super rare and i did the application and then ivy gallery came and convinced me about the nft space after i said no twice because i was an idiot and i apologize about that <laughs> and they really helped understand because they came to me from the gallery perspective and then we we did the work on nifty because as well i didn't have one of ones at the time i wanted to create collections but in even now my two one of a kinds on super Air are part of a small collection of two artworks i like that well the thing is i was I was going with the support of Ivy Gallery because I've got background from dealing with art gallery. So I wasn't as confident as deciding completely by myself where to go. And at the time, I didn't know what the best place to go was. So we went with Nifty and had three successful drops. And now I think I thought it was the right time to slow down and just to focus on one of a kind artworks and whether some of them might take a few months to create and I don't, I'm not rushed to keep producing work now is I can just really take the time, but I really like it's different dynamics is I've seen nifty from the very good days and the slower days and what we're in now. And I feel with every new hype aspect of our society, like the bad crowd will come in as well. And 
a lot a lot of people make mistakes and so many things will happen but it's important to remember the importance of the art and i think that's what super rare helps a lot with as well because the curation i love the curation and the the fact that the editorials and there's some amazing artists on there and and this i love both platforms and i love foundation but i haven't done anything foundation but i collect a lot of artwork on foundation and i think every platform has its advantages and disadvantages and i think because it's such a young space as well we're all learning what works where and who does what for who and i think in, in the beautiful ecosystem everything will be balanced and every platform will have its space what what really excites me now is that this this drop this the, the drop that's coming uh, this wednesday that uh, people start calling 1.5 which is sort of like a bridge between the two in a way like historically journey wise it really really pushes to where we're going and i'm really excited about it i think like the visual turned out really cool and the music is fucking awesome we worked with mauro um for days uh, there's there was a few tracks that we weren't quite happy about it so we just hammered we didn't sleep just properly we need to get this right um it's it's pretty awesome like i'm a, obviously i'm a it's not like i'm a fan of my own work but if i do it it's because i like it you know right and i get i get really excited and then we had this music there's one piece that gives you a lot of like lord of the ring vibes okay. like a lot like you listen to it and you're like holy fuck where's like aragon coming in with the sword? you know it's like really it's really cool yeah the music is really epic and it just like brings to life um the visual that i did uh, so i'm really excited about that but also the clues that i put in you have the riddles and stuff that you have to solve really lead you somewhere so if you actually solve them oh. you get extra information and stuff and there's a little secrets here and there there's little stuff to do i think um i think it'd be quite quite entertaining i'm excited to pour over those. <laughs> i feel like i should just go buy 10 my animes right now <laughs> 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 what would be your strategy? You getting all the same? Or are you trying to get a bunch of different ones? I would, I would just get as many as I can. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? Know, just, yeah, <laughs> see all the different ways just, we can go. Just enter the enter the drawings. How'd you come up with the three, five, ten, twenty? Did you have to crunch okay. something out there? Yeah. So what I did there is I tried to think about uh, scarcity, about not increasing the supply. For example, one one uh, one recurrent. Um, Why? One recurrent aspect of the of the Discord. Sorry, these dogs. Look, I'll show you. This, <laughs> this is one. This is one. Oh, beauty! It's a little dog, and then there's another one, a black black version of this bigger. They're not yeah. mine, but they're just around the house. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I remember some someone in the community asked, um, "Why don't you give uh, one NFT back to everyone who have um, one Leanime?" And I simply explained that if I were to do so that would mean another 1,500 pieces back into the market from, from, from too much lag, which, which is not good right now. Right. It's, it, it would just increase the supply drama dramatically without creating a, any, any value to it. So in a way, as a collector, you might feel like you've been rewarded, but realistically, you're not because I'm giving you right. something that has no, has no meaning, has no purpose, so it will just tank. So you, will, you won't make... It won't be a good investment in that sense and at the same time it's not well thought out it's just like oh since you 
supported me back then i'm just giving you a token back it's it's very empty i think it's it, it's um i'm not saying who proposed this is, is short-sighted i'm just saying i think when you think about it a bit more deeply there's better ways to do this and to reward properly the community and stuff so i decided to do very very few um additions very few additions so that not everyone get rewarded but but who gets rewarded gets an actual value like you get an nft that actually worth something because it's hard yeah. to get and it's scarce and the fact that let's say the the five five the fact that you can get one of that requires you to have five of my pieces means first of all that you supported me this this far yeah. so that's great and and you most likely you're invested in the project at that point unless you're a very very crazy flipper that you would just like buy five participate in a drop hope to win win and then flip all of it again <laughs> which re- i would respect that i would be like wow that's, that's a long play <laughs> that's a long play a long it's- short play <laughs> <laughs> exactly five i think um i think it's going to be mostly people that actually care about the project that will get something back so they will reinvest in the project again and they will still be uh, captivated by it so they would they eventually they will they will cherish the work more than just random flipper or or just if i gave one back to everyone so these pieces will acquire more value therefore my my work will keep gaining value therefore everyone will be rewarded you know um and then phase two instead will allow to sort of like give back to everyone in a in a smarter way yeah. Um, where the where the supply will be controlled, and uh, will raise the the value of everything while keeping things a bit scarce, you know. Um, so that that's why I chose to do twenty ten five three. That was like at the beginning. I, I thought I wanted to do a, a drawing of forty. I think. But then at the same time, I thought I don't want to because I'm not a big fan of additions. Like I like additions, but I prefer. I prefer the work to be quite unique. Um, in a way, I wanted to do on the other side of the spectrum, just one once. Yeah. Because it's for it's for pieces. I said maybe I'll do just four once once. But then the people that can actually win are just four, and it feels like okay, maybe that's too too narrow, right. you know? Because you kind of want to have a poss- like you want to have people to to win something so they can celebrate about it and create a little bit of momentum of joy as well around the project. So I thought 20, 10, 5, 3 feels like a like a good, it's almost like a normal drop where people. Right. Oh my God. Okay, get in. Everyone in. <laughs> and um, it's like a normal drop where basically like drawing a 20 or 10 or 5 silent edition of 3, something like that. But then I converted it just $1 all drawings, requirements with uh, collectors. Um, I love that. The, the NFT. I feel like um, people's first drop, I like them having the open edition. It's a good way to build a fan base. And then from then mm-hmm. on out, it's all about scarcity. And I think it's a great way to reward 38 people. Like, and that's going to mm-hmm. be, those people are going to be so psyched. And even if they are flippers, they'll so. find their right price with a collector that wants it. I mean, it's going to end up being, you know, whatever the they're collector hands. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really curious to see that, and I'm glad. I'm glad you guys think um, 
it's a good strategy, which is, um, it was really helpful to talk to some of the collectors when I, when I did the drop, when I concepted the, the format, because I had some ideas. Uh, I think at the beginning, my entry barrier was a little bit lower. So I think for the free free, I, I had put, you need to have five NFTs from me, but then talking with, um, do you guys know Sven probably? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Talking, talking with Sven and a couple others, uh, sort of bounced feedbacks. And, uh, this was the most common answer was this. So I kind of went with it. So I feel like having a bounce of feedback with collectors that are invested in the project is also, is also good to have just an opinion from outside you know because i collect nfts as well but it's hard to do it like to be judgeful on your own when, right. when it's your own work so it's good to have a second perspective as well um understand where things are at especially with nifty nifty has gone through a little bit of a change in the last couple of weeks i think everyone saw that uh, it seems like they've trimmed down a lot the drops they they're trying to go back to a little bit of a, a bit more scarcity driven drops uh a bit more of mechanics rewarding collectors so i think that's that's really good for the for nifty in the space right now the other thing i wanted to ask you about was like you coming from colombia to canada like how did you make that transition oh bro that that was literally like the hardest thing that i've done in my fucking life i was like fucking depressed for like two years because the move was like such a fucking shock the yeah, it just fucked me up, like in a in a good way, in a bad way. Like when I moved to to Canada, like again, like when I was in Colombia, that was like the happiest. Like I still remember it, like like it was yesterday. I was fucking like my family was fucking crying. I was fucking crying because like dude, like Colombia is like a country. I fucking love Colombia, but it's a country that it's really it's really hard to get a job, no matter what you do. Like even if you're like a fucking engineer, like the unemployment rate there is fucking crazy. It's like it's a country that has like a bunch of like difficult situations when it, when it comes to like economy and shit you know so like going out of there was like a dream of mine that i always i always was like i i, I want to do it and like i'm fucking working to do it but in the back of my head i was like bro like easily i can like never do it like it's gonna be fucking really really hard to do it right so when i got the chance and everything i was like i just couldn't believe my life i was like what the fuck like, this is crazy uh and i really work hard for it so like it was like a mix of like this is like super surreal but at the same, at the same time i work so fucking hard for it that i deserve it so it was kind of like a weird balance of like i don't know one day i was like bro i don't deserve this shit and then the next day i was like bro but i literally like worked 12 hours a day for like years like of so course was it for school it, was know? it like a was it an opportunity with school or like what was the no other no no dude like, I, I you barely, just, or you just sent it and you're like fuck it yeah um, dude i i barely finished high school dude i i i i, I even went to art school in colombia but I, I i dropped uh like i don't know like two years in because it was just bullshit like totally. modern like, like look, dude, look at you now who the fuck needs that shit right yeah dude like, honestly like it, it's, it's super surreal like when i think about it dude so like i i the way that i did it was like man like i i all like this is this is what I needed to do. Like I was either doing to do this or like this or, or music. Like that, that's like the, the two things that were like a constant in my life since I was a fucking kid. Cause like my my dad used to paint, my mom used to paint, kind of like as a hobby, you know. Uh, same with music. So I, I I grew up just doing those two things. I'm fucking horrible with like anything else. Like I'm useless, dude. Like I'm happy that I can do this thing. Otherwise, I would be fucking selling. I don't know, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> I would be, I would be fucking like, I don't know, something like tacos in the street or some shit like that. Dude. I'm <laughs> fucking useless, dude. 
So yeah, like the way the way that I did it was like I I I knew that I I only wanted to do this, and then after being you know like horrible student, barely finished high school, enrolling in a fucking art college, and then in the art college I was so fed up with everything that I was like fuck this, and I I talked to like my mom in this case because like my dad was like the guy in the house that was like more conservative and he was like he had like 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 bad experiences with money in his life and like failures and shit like that so he was like more go like be safe kind of and i was like no dude like i literally cannot do anything else like dude i only had one job before being an artist and it was like in a fucking call center and you have to know english because he was like a international call center in there and i stood that fucking I could. I don't even know how I got hired, dude, because I could barely <laughs> fucking speak English. And then I remember, like, I went. I went on a Friday to do like the test. I passed it, and then I was supposed to be there on a Monday at like seven a.m. And it was like fucking two hours away from where I used to live. And then, dude, on the on the Monday, my fucking boss called me. And he's like, "Dude, where the fuck are you?" And I'm like, "Yo, I just woke up. I'm not gonna go there. Like, fuck your job. Like, I cannot." <laughs> I, 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 I was like, I, I was like, I can, I cannot do this shit. So I have such a fucking strong conviction of like this is what i need to do and like either i do this or i fucking die like there's no option like this is it right so i literally like talk to my mom like dude literally i have a career because of my mom like my mom is like the number one like responsible for me having a career because like she was like always like kind of supporting what i was doing because i was i was a horrible student i'm horrible at anything else but i'm not a lazy person like i'm fucking super passionate about like what I need to do to get where I want to be right so I think I just sat her down one day and I'm like hey I fucking I'm useless for everything else this is what I need to do I believe that I can do it at least the only thing that I can do is like work super fucking hard to get it why don't you let me drop out of the fucking school that is like you guys are paying a bunch of money that we don't have for me to go there and like listen to fucking people talking bullshit so I was like give me Give me one semester, like the money of one semester, and with, with that money, just buy me a laptop, a tablet, like a wait, like a Wacom tablet, and maybe like pay me like a few online courses of like how to paint and this kind of stuff. That's it. That's all I asked. And she was like, "Okay, let's fucking try it." And then literally Damn. for like a for like a full year, dude, I used to do maybe eighteen hour days, literally at my fucking house all day uh just like studying and like painting i used to like go into school like go, going like googling like download you know like the biggest like art schools in america i remember like i, I it was like art center in, in california and like uh ringling and i don't even know where it is like a bunch of like art schools in america and i was like well if this is like the best art schools in the world and i there's for sure that i know like i cannot afford it i don't, I don't even i haven't been, even been to the states at this point so i was like I'm just going to go there, download the curriculum and try to recreate the curriculum at Damn. home, right? So, dude, I, I was fucking like full mode, like crazy doing like, again, like 18 hour days. Like, I, I, dude, I remember like some nights that I was like sitting down and starting to paint. And then the next thing I know, like the fucking sun comes up and I was like, holy fuck, man, I've been literally doing this all night, dude. And then I, I think I did that for two years. And then at the time, there was kind of like the same Twitter NFT vibe going on, but on Facebook. And instead of NFTs, was kind of like concept art for video games. And I was like, oh shit, like I, I can fucking do that. And then again, like after like two years of like, again, 18 hour days, I was, dude, I was literally like working 18 hour days all week. And then on Saturday, maybe, maybe on Saturday, I just go and get wasted drunk. 
with like with like all my friends and, and that was like the reset of my week and i was like okay i'm good for another week and then i do the same <laughs> shit all over again uh and then yeah after like two years some people from facebook like i have some friends that you know they're my fucking homies right now uh a few of my friends saw my work online they were like yo they're actually looking for people at ubisoft in toronto would you be down to like if, if i show them your portfolio and i was like are you kidding me fuck yeah dude so they show it to them and at the same time it was kind of like a perfect storm of like that happening and then i was getting a lot of traction on, on like i don't know like cg hub or like some website at the time and like some like reviews on like websites and shit like that and then because I, I was getting like getting traction online and at that perfect time those friends like online friends that i haven't even met at that point they show my, my portfolio to like the art director at ubisoft um they fucking love it and then the, the guy was like calling me and he's like the guy that showed my work it's a spanish guy so i was talking to him in spanish and then the guy was like yo the art director is gonna uh, call you and like try to do like an interview and i'm like okay the guy calls me dude okay i'm not even joking i can barely fucking speak english dude like i i understand it kind of because i've been watching you know like movies like the, the way that i learned english was like watching friends and shit like that like two and a half men and books like that that he has like the, the subtitles so i was like oh okay that means that okay cool dude or like music or like watching movies or even like what i was telling you that i was like kind of like googling like the programs of like art schools in america dude i literally have to like google translate everything so i was kind of like relating words here and there wow. and then when they called me dude i would literally my interview was like yes thank you no <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah it was fucking crazy that's dude. wild so so, dude, when moved, so when you moved you didn't speak english at all barely like i yeah. i can get a, i can get around kind of but like i couldn't have like a proper conversation so i think that's one of the reasons why i was so fucking depressed down there because like dude if, if you're not speaking in your own language you're not you like you're not yourself because like you're literally like so limited by what you can say that if you, even if you hang out with people at work all day it's not you it's, it's just your fucking brain just being like uh-huh yes or no like yeah. it's, it's, just, it's just so limited that at some point you kind of like feel or i felt like i wasn't like myself you know what i mean let's yeah. just scroll through what these apes and dogs are going for <laughs> for tires <laughs> so <laughs> Just so a while back, I mentioned that I, I had to say on tape that I would not buy a board ape because I just, I didn't see the vision initially. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've built a nice community up around the board ape yacht club. And I really, the FOMO on the outside is just killing me. <laughs> and to now know that they have these fucking sick sidekick dogs that just got released yesterday. And I heard that the floor on not only the apes, but the dogs are just outrageous. I don't remember what I could have gotten an ape for back in the day, but this is probably I, I missed, hurt me pretty bad to look at this. I, I think the clip was me talking about getting one at 0.18, missing out on it, and then I think I bought mine at 0.21. And my ape is literally one of the least rare apes you could possibly find. It's in the it's nine thousand nine hundred and twenty ninth on the rarity chart. So. so it's in the top one hundred <laughs> least rare apes. So just to put that in perspective, let's look at the offers on your ape, and then I'll go check out the floor. <laughs> so uh, let's just go to OpenSea real quick. Of course, Board Ape Yacht Club and Board Ape Kennel Club. I respect the fuck out of my ape, and how basic he is. Ugh. Okay, what number are you? 
2978. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> so the uh, you have an offer on this 100th lowest rarity ape at two and a half ETH. And that just blows my fucking mind. What's the ETH price right now? I don't know. 1800, 17 and 19. It's probably. 17? No, I don't know. Don't say that. I'm just ballparking. Okay. It's not well, the point. So I, the point is eight. Let's go 18. It's fucking thirty six and uh, I'm not good at math. Like forty five hundred dollars. You can click on it and it'll say exactly what the. Amount well, of you know I don't know how to use OpenSea, so. Yeah, but this is also a learning experience. It so. is a learning experience it's, for everyone. It's pretty graphic. Oh my god, USD price right beside it. Who would have fucking known? <laughs> and hey, forty four sixty three. That's like pretty much what I said. My math's pretty good. Yeah, good math. Um, so that came in two hours ago. The same guy. Ape Master, 42069, great name. <laughs> Ape Master? Dude, no he put in uh, an offer eight hours ago and then offered over himself another $1,000 two hours ago. Nice. This guy wants your ape. Well, he must be a troop master or something or a motorcycle gang enthusiast. I don't know what that vest is. Oh, that's also true. I mean, the, the vest is literally the only attribute he has. He, <laughs> that's it. So if, if, you you look, if you're invested... If you look... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's literally invested. Uh, he doesn't have a name either. But when ETH was up a little bit, I had a, a, like three and a half was probably the highest bid I had, and that was like upwards of eight k. And I still like what? I was like not gonna sell it. I just could. I just can't do it. I've sold things too early, too many times. And this guy's just. I'm invested. He's invested. We're we're all invested. <laughs> and, I mean, he, he's pretty fucking bored. And I like it that it's your avatar. It kind of. It's great. Thank you. I like the background color. Well, then what was your reaction on the dogs? Stop. The dogs <laughs> are my favorite part. To be honest with you, the idea of getting uh, generative like collectible and then it coming with a second like airdrop piece is just phenomenal smartness on their part. So if I – can I look? Is it like chained to this one at no, all? No, no, no. Just go to my It's profile. completely separate. Okay, so profile. I'll start by clicking on your name. Get the fuck out of here. This has an offer of two ETH on it? You yeah. can get $3,500 for this basic free sidecar. I did get lucky on this one, though. This is like a top 500, top 600 wow. trait dog. He's got fucking moon boots. He's foaming at the mouth. I hope he doesn't have rabies. 100% has rabies. Or he's just like... I'm trying to figure out a name. Person. I can't figure out a name. Whoa, dude, you have a robot service dog. I know, I know. With like... It's a pretty sick dog with a purple headband. And that's a that's actually a Lakers headband. I think you have to get rid of this. It's not a Lakers headband. It's just purple. LSU. There's it's yellow like, on yeah, it. Yeah, I know, yeah, but it's LSU. LSU. All right. Yeah, I think that's the the boots and the the headband might be its most rare traits. Really? All right. Let's pop this open. I like so, Foamy for a name. Service vest. Foamy. Is that his name? I was almost. Gonna oh, foaming. I thought you said Foamy. Foamy has a name though. Oh, like FOMO? FOMO? No. <laughs> no, just because you had a FOMO, FOMI mouth. I feel like I'd never get lucky with shit like this, but I definitely did get lucky on this one. I woke up to a text from Mike being like, yo, this is what you minted because I couldn't load it yesterday, so I didn't see it and uh, kind of forgot about it. What dog did you say it. he got? He's got a top 10. He's got the number seven. He's got the number seven rarest dog. Yeah. yeah. How can I look it up? Do you know what number it is? Uh, no. 
here we go, Galaxy Gang. This has got to be the one, Oh, right? yeah, with the crab on its head. So it's got a crab on its head, a fucking Cyclops eye, a barrel of whiskey, and it looks like some fishing lures. It's like a saddle. Yeah, it's a triple X barrel. Dude. And he's got some boots, mucking boots. Dude. That's another dog you would take that with you. That thing's wild. It look, oh, we put a link to it right here, 5908. So to, to summarize, you... Um, I, I messed up. I took one more of many in the future missteps that I will continue to make left and right. I should have listened to you. I apologize. Should have got a board ape. Cool community. Cool fucking dogs. I'm sure they're not done. They probably got a sidekick to the dog, too, that'll be worth, like, four ETH. And, ah. Hey, can't win them all. 